we come back to the book of Genesis in our series from this great book of beginnings. And what an exciting subject today, Angels on Assignment. I suppose if I were to list from one to ten the most asked questions of a pastor, one of those would be, what about angels? Are they real? How do they manifest themselves? And so on. So today we're going to try to answer some of your questions. And I believe not only will your questions be answered, but your heart will be inspired as you see what the Bible teaches us about this heavenly host. Jacob in the story in Genesis was now at a crisis in his life. He seemed to go from crises to crises, which maybe some of you can relate to. I don't know that any of us are too much different than old Jacob was. He has left the house of Laban after working for 14 years for his uncle. He has a large caravan of wives, children, animals, servants, everything he owned. His U-Haul had everything in it that he possessed. He's going back to Palestine. He's been gone 20 years. He's been separated from his twin brother Esau 20 years. His road is now getting very close to the country of Esau. One thing you learn from the Bible studying Jacob is that he was no soldier. He was no soldier. He is terrified in heart to meet his incensed brother, his angry brother, because of Jacob stealing the birthright and the blessing from him years before. So as he plods along with his great entourage, suddenly, a heavenly host meets him on the way. And Jacob gives the name of that place, according to Genesis 32, a name. All of these names are significant in the Bible. When you read the word Mahanaim, it has significance. Because it means two camps. T-W-O, two camps. So if you can picture it in your mind, here is one camp for the helpless women and the helpless children and Jacob, he's with them, terrified. The other camp is this heavenly hope, this new group that suddenly meets them on their way to Palestine. Two camps, one for the fearful, the terrified, and the other resplendent in armor and with swords gleaming in the sun. Mahanaim, the place of the two camps. Jacob saw them, you see, as a bodyguard, a wall between him and his foe. Bear that in mind, because we're going to come back to that word mehanaim in the conclusion 
of our message. How little we realize the presence and importance of the angels of God. I'm convinced of that. Very few in this building, very few watching by television, listening by radio or tape, realize how many times the angelic hosts have met us as we are at the border of some critical experience in our life. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. This is the introduction in the Bible to one of the great facts of spiritual life and spiritual reality, angels. And yet we have been taught very little about them. Let me give you some verses that will help you to see how many times they are referred to in the Bible before I get to the four points of our message about angels. I think this will help. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Notice the qualification. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him and delivers them. Matthew 18:10. Jesus is speaking and he says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. The idea that is presented here, and some theologians truly believe, is that every person born has an angel assigned them. Their angels, T-H-E-I-R, their angels. Don't hurt one of these little ones. Their angels do always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Interesting, isn't it? Hebrews 1.14 Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? Speaking of angels, are they not ministering spirits for those who are to obtain salvation, eternal preservation? Hebrews 12.22 but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Now, I don't know how many are innumerable, but I have a hunch it's a whole lot. Innumerable angels gathered around the throne of God. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You had better be careful about the strangers you meet. It could be an angel of God sent your way for something. You entertain angels unawares, according to the scripture. Billy Graham wrote a book, Angels, God's Secret Agents, and he said angels whether noticed by men or not, are active in our 20th century world. Are we aware of them? I think a lot of us would have to say, no, not really. But we will be from now on. In the Old Testament, Abraham was visited by an angel. 
Moses was visited by an angel. Jacob had a host of angels visit him on the road. Gideon had an angel come to him. Ezekiel, Daniel, many other Old Testament characters had experiences with angels. In the New Testament, there was Zechariah who was visited by an angel. Mary had an angelic visitor. Joseph was visited by an angel. Jesus himself was ministered to by angels. The shepherds on the hillside were accosted by angels. The women at the tomb saw an angel. The apostles at the ascension heard from the angel. Peter in prison in Acts 12 was visited by an angel. Philip had an angel. Cornelius had an angel. Paul had an angel. John had an angel. All had experiences with angels. And I would almost say that everybody that hears my voice has, but you didn't realize it. So let's take a look, shall we? It's a great subject. Let me begin by giving you a story of a missionary in Sumatra. This missionary in Sumatra moved into this very dangerous tribe, built a three-room house. And the enemy's oppression was so great that often during the day they would have to go to prayer and to the Word of God to read and be built up, and this evil spirit would then dissipate for a time. It was not too long after that the missionary had a knock at the door one day, and it was one of the villagers. They sat down on the bench outside the door, and the villager wanted to see the watchman of the missionary. The missionary frowned a bit and said, Watchman? We have a cook and a boy who takes care of the animals a bit, but we have no watchman. What do you mean, the watchman? Well, he said, when you came here, we were opposed to your coming. We did not like you. We felt you were coming here to bring some evil upon us. And so we decided in the village that we would all come at night and kill you. And night after night, we have come to do that. But every time, the watchmen have been outside of your house with gleaming sword, and we could not come in. I want to see the watchman, he said. He was not satisfied. The missionary had to open the door of the house, and this native went through every nook and cranny of that house looking for the watchman. There were none to be found. Disappointed, he went back and sat down on the bench with the missionary, and the missionary opened the Bible and said, Now let me explain what you have been experiencing. And he told him, about the angels of God, Psalm 91, that we read. Angels of God encamp round about those that fear God. We read it from Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers them. That man then said, let me tell you one more thing. We hired a professional assassin to come who fears neither God nor devil. And he went running through the village with his sword over his head, ready to kill you, and ran through the bush. And when he broke through the thicket in front of your house, 
There were the watchmen, and he came running back into the village saying, there are too many of them, I cannot do it. The missionary then explained, you see, the reason we did not see them is because we believe in the word of God and did not have to see them. But the reason you had to see them was because you do not believe in the word of God. And so God had to show you by placing his angels there with gleaming sword that he was the God who protected his own. And they were protected. That is the ministry of angels for humankind. Now let us look at four things that I think the Bible so clearly dictates about angels. Number one, angels of God meet us on the dusty road of common life. The angels of God meet us on the dusty road of common life. Look at chapter 32 of Genesis again. Jacob went on his way. You read through that and it didn't say anything to you. But now it's going to be significant to you. It was when Jacob went on his way, on his journey, that the angels of God met him. When you leave this sanctuary today, may these words be in your heart. When Jacob went on his way, as you go on your way, who goes with you? The angelic hosts of God meet us on the dusty road of human experience, right where we are. That's why that word is there, while Jacob went on his way. Can you see him walking over the fields of Edom, fear striking at his heart, when suddenly he hears a strange sound, the whirring of, wi of wings? The sight suddenly picks up the brightness of flashing armor. The dusty road is more likely to be trodden by angel feet than the remote summits of the mountain somewhere. That's the beauty of the word of God where we walk, where we are, where it's difficult, God says, I will send my heavenly host. They will be there to meet you while he went on his way. Have any of you ever seen the old German picture of the woman working at the kitchen, preparing a meal for the household with the angel helping her in the background? Have you ever seen that? It's a beautiful painting. And I believe it is the vision of this passage. A woman at her everyday task, serving her family under God with an angel there helping her. Have you ever said, how did I get done with that so quickly? That went so well. How did that ever happen? Mm -hmm. If you could only see. In the vulgarity, the triviality, the monotony, the dust of the small duties, you will find the angels of God. That is the true field for the religion of the Bible. It is the field of common life. It is where you walk. It is where I walk, if we were only aware of it. The angels had met Jacob 20 years before in chapter 28, and it was almost as though David or Jacob had to say, hmm, Something familiar about this. Angels of God around him in his frightened moment as he 
goes back toward Esau, but between Esau and Jacob was the heavenly host as he journeys back to where he belongs in the common, ordinary practice of life on the dusty road of human experience. That's where you ought to expect God's angels. Secondly, they meet us in the path of God's choosing. Now, we may meet them on the paths of our own choosing, but it will be the sort of angel that Balaam met. It will be an angel of judgment turning us away because we're going in our own way. We're going according to our own plan. And who can stand against the angel of God when we're choosing our own path and determining to go our own way? God has an angel with a gleaming sword to turn the donkey aside and let the donkey speak to let the dumb prophet know he's going in the wrong way. Why did the donkey veer off? He kicked the donkey. He was mad at the donkey. He beat the donkey. He ought to have been beating himself. It wasn't the donkey. The angel of God was out there in front of him. And, and the donkey could see it when Don Balaam couldn't. Why? Because he was going his own choosing. So it's in the will of God when you find the angels of God meeting us in God's choosing. The paths which God has before ordained that we should walk in them is the word that Scripture gives us. We can expect blessing and help and divine gifts. But when we say, Lord, I'm going to do it my way, you cooperate with me then in the barren rocks and the bare lands where the sun beats down, we're going to meet perhaps the angel of judgment. Jacob said earlier, I being in the way, the Lord met me. I being in the way, with a desire for God, the Lord met me. When walking in the will of God, there is a buoyancy, there is a certain victory, there is a certain power that surrounds us. Why are you always running into brick walls? Perhaps it's because you've decided to go the way of your choosing. My friend, if you sit here today, and that would have to be your confession, turn around and go God's way, and the whole angelic host will be there to help you. That's what we read from Psalm 34, 7 and Psalm 91. Listen to these words from Psalm 18, 29. By thee I have run through a troop, and by my God have I leaped over a wall. When you're walking in the will of God, that's the way you feel sometimes. You can go through a whole troop, and you can leap over a wall. And when David wrote those words, he was not thinking of a little picket fence. He was thinking of those massive walls that surround the cities back in that part of the world. They're wide enough to drive a chariot down. He said, by my God, I've run through a troop and I've leaped over that wall. Why? Because he was in the will of God. And power was released in him to do that. Daniel 3.17 says, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. The three Hebrews went into that fire unafraid. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us 
Why? Because they were in the will of God. They knew that. They had not recanted. They had been faithful. In Daniel, Daniel said, My God has sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths, but they have not hurt me. God sent his what? His angel. Can you get the picture? If I could paint it, I would. The angel standing there, locking the jaws of those mighty beasts. And over here is Daniel sleeping. See, Daniel wasn't afraid. Why? Because he was in the will of God. He lifted his window toward Jerusalem as before. He prayed three times a day. He didn't back up. He followed God. He was in the will of God. And he said, oh, king, my God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me. Daniel 6.22 gives the reason for as much as before him innocency was found in me. He was walking in the will of God. Power, presence was there. Angels meet us in the path of God's choosing. Oh, I want to underscore that again. In the path of God's choosing. And you know as you listen to me today, whether you're walking in that way or not, or your own way, you know well what path you're walking in. If it's in God's choosing, you can depend on God's host to be there. That's the way God has ordained and designed it to be. Turn from your own path to his path. Thirdly, God's angels meet us at the hour of need. Jacob is now at the border of Esau's country. The clock has reached the point when the bell would strike. I mean, he was right there at the border when suddenly angels. Why didn't they come earlier? Psalm 46 says, God is in the midst of her, speaking of the church. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. What does that mean? It means just before the moment of crises. That the angels of God will never be late. God will help her, and that right early. You never need to fear that God will be late. God is in the midst of her, speaking of the church, and will help her, and that right early. Jacob discovered that right at the border. The angels of God come to him. But you say, oh, I wish they would come sooner. Yeah. Why do they come just at the moment of need? Because you depend on yourself so much. And God has to teach you to depend on him. See, Jacob was a schemer and a conniver. He was one who liked to run his own affairs. And God had to teach him a lesson. And fear was building up in his heart. He was so afraid of what would happen when he met Esau. God let him sweat a bit in order to learn a vital lesson in truth. That God will be there when we need him, and we need not sweat it. We need to trust in God. God's hosts come no sooner and no later than we need them. You see, it's God's way to let us come almost to the edge of the precipice so that we can flee into his arms. Reading in Acts 12 again the other day, I was inspired at something I hadn't seen before. In regard to Peter, when he was put in prison by Herod, the Bible says they intended the next day to take off Peter's head like they did James, the brother of John. So this simply means that this was the last day of Peter's life, right? 
And then I saw this, that in the last watch of the night, the angel of the Lord appeared. The last day, the last watch of the night, which meant that there would be no more change of soldiers, the soldiers that were there would be the last group that would be there in the last watch, on the last day, Peter asleep in prison, trusting in his God. Because, you see, Peter knew that if he died, he would go to be with the Lord, which is far better. Or if God let him live, it would be through some miraculous intervention. So either way, he was going to win, right? But we don't understand that, it seems, because we wring our hands and we sweat it and we worry and we get all tied up in knots. But Peter was asleep when he knew that in the morning his head was going to be cut off if God didn't intervene. But he trusted in God. He believed in the ability of angels to set him free if that be God's choice. So on the last day, at the last watch of the night, an angel slapped him on the side and said, Peter, get up. He got up, followed the angel out of the prison, and was spared. But notice, it was the last day and the last watch of the night. Maybe you've walked into church today feeling like you're just teetering on the precipice. Maybe you feel it's the last day and it has not been uncommon for us here at Capital Christian Center for people to say, either in writing or in person, I was going to take my life. Coming to church was the last hope. Or they write from watching the television program or listening to the radio. It was the last thing on the agenda. It was going to be over, but God met me there. So I want to say to you, if you're on the precipice today, there are the everlasting arms of God. Flee to them. He will carry you through. Peter found it so. Reading about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Mary and Martha were so upset, Jesus didn't come. When he got the news about Lazarus, problem, he stayed two more days. And it was four days after his death when Jesus finally got back to Bethany and they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. You know what they were saying? Jesus, you blew it this time. But not really. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And listen, it would have been no more problem for Jesus to raise him back if he'd been six months late than it was four days. The point is, they had lost sight of who he was. And when you do that, you start taking things into your own hands. The truth of Genesis is that God meets us in our time of need. Not before, but at the time of need, he will be there. So here is a verse for you from the Psalms. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Those of you who are filled with fear, you're filled with trepidation today. Here is a word from God. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. The angels of God will be there in your time of need. Guaranteed, he shall give you the desires of your heart. He will be there when you need him. 
forth. Angels come in the shape we need. In other words, the angels of God appear in many different forms. Jacob needed a soldier. So these great hosts came with armor and swords. And Jacob was encouraged when he saw these warriors of God standing there. A while back on a Sunday morning, a lady came to me after church and said, Pastor, as we were worshiping the Lord this morning, I saw angels up over the altar of the church. And she described them. They were in beautiful apparel and wings. They don't always come in wings. But you see, they came dressed up for church because they're always appropriate. They had the finest on and they were something. Now, I didn't see them because evidently I didn't need to see them that day, but she needed to see them, and there they were up there for her to behold. I believe that. That doesn't bother me one bit. When Jesus was resurrected and the angel was inside the tomb, it wasn't an angel with a sword. They needed comfort and encouragement. And so the angel was dressed appropriately and said, Now, don't be afraid. He's not here. He's risen as he said. Go on. He'll come to you. See, they always come the way you need them to come, in the shape that we need them. I learned something about the manna in the wilderness that Israel received from God miraculously. The Jewish rabbis believed that that manna tasted to each man according to the desire of each person. I like that. Here's one over here who needed a taco. <laughs> so he picks up this now. Ooh, boy. Hot sauce and all. And here's another one that wanted some of those Norwegian pastry kind of tastes. Whoa, those are something. And nobody's made any around here lately. I haven't. I haven't seen any for a while. And so when they picked up the man, it tasted just like that. Now, what do you call that stuff? Funny name. Don't bother to tell me. I'd forget it anyway. There's crumpa or something. Uh, I, I don't know. All kinds of different. Anyway, that's what they believed. And you know, I don't have any trouble with that either. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, if manna could be to each man what he needed, why was it that every one of them, over two million of them, said, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us? Why, you can't even get a family to agree that the meal's all together what it ought to be sometimes. You know, everyone has their own taste. And one will say, wow, this is great. No, no. But out there with over two million, they all said, Great! See, it's the same with God in most every facet of our experience. He comes to us in the shape we need Him. And with the angels, they come with the right kind of garments. Have you been reading about some of the visitations along the highways of America? People pick up strangers, and they're not used to picking up strangers. And they get in the back of cars, and, and they're there with a, a pack on their back, and they look like a traveler, and they start talking about the soon return of Jesus Christ. 
And after a while, as the driver turns to say, where do you want to get off? There's nobody there. You know why? Angels. Getting the family together. But with a pack sack on, traveling clothes, angels come into shape. We need them. Oh, how good God is. It's like the communion. When you come to the communion next Sunday night, the body and blood of the Lord becomes to every man what he needs. If it's fellowship, it's in the communion. If it's healing, it's in the communion. If it's a knowledge that God is present with them, it's in the communion. The manifest presence of the Lord in those emblems. They become to us what we need from them. So it is with angels. Now I said... We were going to come back to Mahanaim before we quit. Here we are. Centuries after the story in Genesis 32, a man by the name of David had a rebellion in his kingdom. His son Absalom rose up to undermine his father, king of Israel. And because he had gathered a great host, of warriors, soldiers, David fled the city. Do you know where David went? He went to Mahanaim. David knew the history of Israel. David did not end up in Mahanaim by mistake. He knew it was the place of two camps. Here was David and a few of his men who had stuck faithfully with him. But here was the angelic host between them and Absalom. And the Bible tells us that David made a stand at Mahanaim during the whole rebellion. He did not move from Mahanaim. Now open his psalm book and read what he wrote in the fourth psalm and the eighth verse. David said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, makest me dwell in safety, solitary though I am. David was saying, though I'm here all alone, and Absalom has this great host, and my kingdom looks like it's falling apart beneath me, I will rest, I will lay me down in peace and in sleep, Though I am in a solitary place, for thou, Lord, makest me to dwell in safety. How did David know that? He knew about the angels of God. He had learned about Jacob and Mahanaim, and how when Jacob was to meet Esau, his fierce brother, there was an angelic army at Mahanaim that encouraged him and made him to face his brother without fear. When he was facing his crises, he went to Mahanaim and said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, makest me dwell in safety. Some of you need that. Some of you don't sleep well. Some of you are filled with fear today. Some of you are not sure of tomorrow. My dear friends, the heavenly warriors never die. They are eternal servants 
of God. They are all around us. They are everywhere God appoints them to be. They encamp round about those who fear him. And I am believing God that in the next few moments, fear will be released. You will be able to move over into the camp of safety and blessing and protection. There is nothing to fear. They hover around us. As Jacob went on his way, the angels of God visited him. As you go on your way today, I give you the assurance that the angels of God will visit you and will lead you, take care of you, protect you. They are God's servants for all of us. Would you stand to your feet, please, throughout the building? I feel a surge of divine faith in my heart. I believe some of you could say like Esther of old right now, it seems like I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I need that. I'm ready for God's release. How many of you would raise a hand and say, Pastor, I'm filled with fear. I'm afraid. Fear haunts me and seems to follow me wherever I go. And I believe in the angels of God and that I can be released from this fear and I'm asking God today for a miracle. Would you raise your hand wherever you stand? Raise it right up. Fear. Yes, oh, all kinds of hands. Up and down. Fear. 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 It's not of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Put your hands down. How many of you believe in angels? All right. Hands down. How many of you believe Satan has his demons, too? His army, yes. Okay. So they're in conflict, right? Who wins? Ha, ha, ha. We've got inside information. It's like God said to the prophet long ago when he looked out and saw the heavenly hosts at Samaria. Greater or more are they for us than they that are against us. And that's what John said in the New Testament. Greater is he that's in us than he that's against us. So there's no need to take your fear away from this building. Leave it right here. Leave it right here today. Now, how many of you have come to church without Jesus in your heart? Let me say something to you. You cannot claim any of these promises unless you let Jesus Christ in. He encants round about those who fear him. You see, the unbeliever has no such guarantee. He has no such hope. He has no such promise. But to the child of God, there is everything that heaven allows. Oh, praise God. So why don't you come into the family today? God loves you. We love you. Your sins can be forgiven. You can walk in fellowship with God from this day on. And I want the joy and privilege of praying for you and introducing you to this friend, Jesus. He loves you so much. Why don't you put yourself under the protection of God's host and know the peace of God that passes all understanding.
If you're here without Jesus, but you would like to receive him into your heart, let me pray for you. Would you raise your hand right where you stand? Just lift it up. Pastor Cole, I want this protection. I need it. And I ask Jesus to come to my life today. Raise your hand, and I'll see it. And then you may put it down again, and we'll pray for you. Just raise it up right now. Don't be embarrassed to do it. He raised two on a cross for you. Thank you right here in this middle section. God bless you. He raised two on a cross and let them pound nails in it, hung there for you. Would you raise one in this company of loving people and say, I need Jesus and I received him today by faith? Raise your hand. Join these that have already raised theirs. Thank you back over here. God bless you. Thank you. Are there others? Back onto my right side. Thank you over here. God bless you. Down here. Thank you. Keep raising them right over here. Thank you. God bless you. Raise them up until I've seen them. Then you can put them down up in the balcony. Thank you up there. God bless you. Good. Thank God. Thank you over here. Down front. God bless you, folks. Right over here to my right. Praise the Lord. Are there more? Thank you, sir. God bless you right down here. How much God loves you. Praise the Lord. Are there others before prayer? God bless you over here. Tell you what. These lights are so, make it so difficult for me to see where the hands are. May I just step down here and ask you, are raising your hands, to come and meet me right here so I can pray for you right here. Just come and stand with me. If you haven't raised your hand but you need to, come anyway, even though I haven't seen your hand. Just step right out. Loving people will let you come. And out into the aisle. If you're in the balcony, there's a stairway right down in front. Come along. Now I have some material here that... I'd like to give you a cassette tape and a booklet that I want to put in the hands of those who are seeking God's help. It's so important that we give you material. So just come on, stand with me here, and my associates will be coming to join me here at the front to help in this time of prayer. We'll wait for just a moment as, as you come. Don't be embarrassed. Hundreds have come before you. It's the thing to do. It's saying, Lord Jesus, I move toward you by faith. And we can help you with this material that we have. God bless these that have come. Others of you need to come. Just feel free to step right out and join me here before I pray. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for those who have raised their hands saying, I have fear in my heart. I'm going to pray for you too. And God is going to give us the victory. I believe it. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless these who are here. This is marvelous. Now, all of you who stand here, you know God loves you. He loves you just as much as he loves me or Billy Graham or anybody in this world. You count to God. And Jesus died for each one of you. If you were the only sinner on this earth, he would have done the same thing he did. He died for you. He loves you that much. God bless you for joining us. And we're going to pray for his forgiveness. All of you want it, right? That's why you've come. And then a worker will help you just a moment and give you the material. I want all of you here to raise your hands and extend it toward these, our friends, who are standing in front, showing them you love them and that you're praying with Pastor in this moment. Thank you all over the building. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, you know how this church exists for this moment when people pass from death into life. 
and they're received by you, and their name is written down in heaven's book. What a thrill to see these stand here and ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins. Lord, be faithful now and come into their hearts, blot out all of their iniquities. Through the blood of Jesus we are forgiven. Just like Frank Rose received you over that radio program and is in heaven today, these, if they should go today, would be in heaven. Snatched from the pits of hell because they've responded to the invitation to receive Jesus. Bless them. We extend our hands and our hearts toward them. Lord, may they know that they now belong to you and the past is all put behind them. We rejoice in it with them. Then, Father, I pray for those who raised their hands, who said, I have fear in my heart. In the name of Jesus, the living Savior, I command that that fear be gone. I bind the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, thou foul spirit of fear. You have no right in any of these lives. We release them to faith and to hope and assurance and the fact that the angels of God encompass them about. Thank you, Jesus, for touching them now and that they're going to walk by faith. They're going to sleep at night. We give them, Lord, sleep, the blessing of sleep, and the blessing of knowing your presence each day and each hour. In the name of our living Savior, who has never, never failed to answer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.